HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, and I have with me my lovely co-host, Hannah Forden. Hey, Katie. It's a beautiful day in Denver, isn't it? It is. It is. And uh, we have not been thunderstormed on today. No violent weather events, and we are very happy to be here. Uh, this is the conclusion of our programming of a very full weekend um, that we have been broadcasting live interviews from Larimer Square uh, from the Slow Food Nations Festival for our third year in a row. I want to say a quick thank you before we begin to our sponsors, to Slow Food, to Big Green Egg, to Hearst Ranch and the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts for making our coverage possible. And our very, very special guest this afternoon is Pierre Chum. Welcome, Pierre. Thank you. Pierre is a chef. This is a long list of titles. I'm going to read them. A chef, a restaurateur, a social entrepreneur, a culinary ambassador. All of these things rolled into one. And you have an amazing food product that we're going to talk more about that you're promoting. Uh, but thank you so much for sitting down with us. And uh, tell me first, before we get into your background and all the projects that you're working on, um, how's your Slow Food Nations weekend been going? Oh, it's been amazing. I mean, it's my first time at Slow Food Nation. I've been to the, the uh, Slow Food Torino last year, but uh, Denver is the first time, and I'm having a great time. I love the people, I love the vibe, I love the mountains, you know, sometimes I love the weather. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And all the good uh, food, right? And the great food and the, just the people, the energy, everyone with the same vision of how our food should be and uh, should be prepared and produced. Yeah. So there have been seemingly hundreds of events uh, going on simultaneously from um, Thursday night until today, Sunday. What have you been getting up to during this weekend? Uh, well, I've done a few events. Once I did a workshop, uh, the last one was today. Yeah, I presented a film uh, called Burkinabe Bounty. It's about uh, farmers in Burkina Faso, a small country in the Sahel region of Africa, like Senegal, the, place, the country I'm from. And I've introduced this uh, film and talked about the farmers, how they are taking a stand against big agri, and, uh, and they literally just uh, marching to kick Monsanto out of their country and preserve their own seeds and traditions. So this was a, a, a film that I introduced and at the same time introduced this ancient grain that's also popular in that country and that I've been championing 
called Fonio, and uh, Fonio are packaging it through my company called Yolele Foods. I've been doing it for a couple of years now. We're working with farmers in the cooperatives in, and smallholder farmers in West Africa, in the Sahel region, and we're opening markets for them. Uh, why we're doing it is because Fonio is a grain that's uh, very, very important in uh, not only culturally important in the region, but for the environment as well. It's a drought-resistant grain that matures in two months. And, uh, oh, wow. Yes, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal, and it's nutritious, and again, it's great for the environment. So I thought that was a grain that was worth talking about, and that was the first workshop that I did today. Yesterday, I did another one that was uh, open to the public. I did a cooking demo where I presented the same grain, Fonio, but I did a... Uh, salmon, fonio, and cassava croquette that are served with a tamarind glaze. Mm, that sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. And uh, now that you're kind of wrapping up um, most of the programming for the weekend, has have you found that personally there have been like any kind of significant takeaways from seeing the whole festival come together and, and kind of all the people and programs that have been here? Uh, well, the, 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 the most important takeaway I, I got from this is just seeing the energy and seeing that everybody is so concerned and so determined to, to, to fight this battle and, and win it, the, the battle uh, changing the way we eat mm -hmm. in, uh, and taking the planet into consideration and our, our own health as well and, own, and the dignity of the farmers. So yes, this is my takeaway that this, I leave this slow food conference with hope, mm -hmm. filled with hope and, and in, inspired to continue the work. And I know uh, yesterday you were just across the way doing a book signing. Um, can you tell us about your new book? Yes, my new book is also dedicated to Fonio. It's a single ingredient book. It's coming out this fall by Lake Isle Press, my publisher. And uh, the book is uh, talking about the whole journey of Fonio. We traveled, me and a photographer named Adam Bartos, we traveled to the Fonio farming regions, actually an area called Seju, a tiny village in the south of Senegal. And we documented the, the harvesting of Fonio and the processing, the traditional way of processing it. And then we go from that to talking about the nutrition of Fonio, how this powerhouse grain that's been around for 5,000 years deserves to be talked about and deserves to have a book dedicated to, to, to it. And this is um, uh, pretty much the, 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 the vision of the book, introducing the uh, Fonio, this grain, to the, to the rest of the world. And of course, there's a cookbook with recipes as well and beautiful photos of tradition recipes and, and imagined recipes. Because the thing about Fonio is not only this is an amazing grain, but it's very versatile. It's very easy to prepare any, any dishes with Fonio. It can turn into salad. I make sushis with Fonio. You can mm. make pastas. You can turn it into flour and bake bread with it. It's gluten-free, of course. It's very, very rich in two amino acids. They're called cysteine and methionine. And those ones, in, uh, uh, it's interesting because they're deficient in most other grains. All the major grains have it in deficiency, and those are abundant in fonio. So that's uh, one of the things that I, I like to talk about. And again, that's a grain that can change uh, the economic situation of those farmers in the region where Fonio grows because those regions are the poorest regions in the world. Imagine that's in the south of the Sahara, that's the Sahel region of, of Africa, and nothing grows in those regions, but Fonio thrives there. So that's like a re really, really important grain. And uh, again, that's, uh, that's why I, I, I dedicated a book to it because... Um, 
bringing awareness to it and opening new markets to Fonio can truly, truly be transformational in the regions where it's from. So I, I know you have a lot of recipes in your book. Um, I'm curious, what is a, a traditional way that Fonio is made? I know you're, you're also uh, creating your own new recipes, but how would we uh -huh. see it if we went well, to the, 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 the interesting thing about Fonio, is, first of all, it's a grain that cooks. It cooks like rice, one cup of Fonio for two cups of water. But the difference with Fonio and rice, it cooks in five minutes. Yeah, you know, that's, wow. uh, that's a grain awesome. that's really, uh, it's, re it's really amazing. The, the timing is, 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 uh, is really mind-boggling. Traditionally, you often see Fonio served with peanut sauce. That's the thing that you see in West Africa. That's the peanut sauce that's really uh, like uh, very... Pungent, it's like cooked, and sometimes you have meat in it. Lamb is oftentimes the one that's used, but often it's also vegetable, root vegetables, carrots, yucca, cassava, uh, and, and, and also leafy vegetables, such as uh, from cabbage to it could be collard greens, sweet potato leaves, cassava leaves. Because, see, in that region, nothing is wasted. You know, it's very, very interesting to see that we're talking about it now in slow food, how nothing is wasted. But that's been our tradition in West Africa, in most of Africa, as a matter of fact. When nothing is wasted, they've always been uh, eating leaves and the roots and the tuber and the vegetable itself, and they have different recipes of different ways of adapting it. So that's one way of cooking fonio. Another popular way of cooking fonio is with okra as well. You see, mm. oftentimes fonio comes with okra because it, you know, okra for, for those of you who love it, I'm one of them. It's just it's a wonderful combination with fonio. Yeah, I, through your efforts, I have found that I've had easy access to fonio, and I've cooked it a couple of times, and um, I think it's like a little bit fun in the sort of instant pot era and everybody is obsessed with instant pot recipes and yet there are these simple foods that you can just make with no effort on the stovetop faster than you could heat up your instant pot and get it to pressure and you have this like delicious versatile grain that's ready to go um, and I, I think that we have a, a sort of a food culture that is really ready for this it's, it's funny because it's a very traditional food but it is a, a convenience food also totally totally I can't believe it's been around for 5,000 years mm -hmm. I mean it probably says a lot about our, our, our forefathers or mothers and uh, how they were just ahead of their time I mean yeah. we're just catching up right now <laughs> yeah they're so much smarter than we are now right <laughs> indeed <Yeah. laughs> can you talk more broadly about your personal food philosophy and sort of what drives you to be a food ambassador uh, well I take my inspiration from the tradition really it's uh, you know it's been really the, the, the source of my, my cuisine even though I've worked almost three decades in, in New York kitchens. So I, I cannot uh, reject what I've learned from it. I've learned so much in terms of modern ways of cooking, but I always connect it to the tradition and, and wherever, whenever I'm, I'm cooking, I, I tend to naturally look back into either memories or researches that I've done when I, like, when I travel. I like to travel around the African continent and usually my first stop is the markets, you know, because the markets are really the, the place where I find that inspiration, where I can reconnect with things that are almost lost, you know, and I, I find uh, very, I, I very inspiring to, 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 to bring back or to reintroduce or, you know, without being pretentious, but to like just be able to, 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 to save 
something that was disappearing because oftentimes in our regions we, we don't cherish or we don't value enough the things that we have in our tradition we tend to look down at it and we we want to be like the west we we welcoming mcdonald's and kfc and that kind of thing unfortunately and we have such beautiful i mean slow food at its best is is really what uh, West African cuisine is. And uh, my philosophy is really, I didn't invent anything. I just tried to cook how my grandmothers cooked, you know, and, uh, and respect the ingredients, respect the seasons, and uh, as much as possible. And, um, and that's, the rest is easy, because once you respect the season and the ingredients, food is great. You, you just said your grandmother's cooking. Uh, do the men in your family cook also? The men in my family never cooked. <laughs> never cooked. You know, I had one godfather who cooked. He was the only man I seen cooking growing up, and he happened to be of Vietnamese origin. You know, because in Senegal we have a small community of Vietnamese due to the colonial past. The French had been in Senegal and they'd been in, in what they called Indochina at the time, which became Vietnam. And uh, when the French lost that Indochina war, at the time, the French colonial army was Senegalese soldiers. They called it the Senegalese battalion, as a matter of fact. So those Senegalese soldiers returned to Senegal, mm -hmm. and a community of Vietnamese came with them, and they moved to Senegal, and they've been there for a few decades now, and they also brought their cuisine as part of the food. And this, hap this man happened to be a friend of my parents, became my godfather, and I would spend summer time at his place, and just amazed at seeing him cooking and just playing with flavors that were not very familiar to me. He was just an amazing cook, but he was an exception to me because he was Uncle Jean. This what, what made you decide to sort of go against the grain and pursue it yourself? It, it just happened to me, yeah. really, you know. And uh, I was prepared because the background growing up in Senegal, you are always exposed to great cooking and great food and fresh food, you know, every day. It's like... Cooking is done every day. Market is done every day. You know, you go to the market, you get fresh fish, you get, you know, you, the fish has been caught today. You know, the, the vegetables are coming straight up from the farm today. You know, so, so I'm used to good food growing up in Senegal. So I was ready for that. And I arrived in New York. And in New York, two reasons, you know, not only my first job happened to be coincidentally no plans, happened to be a restaurant job. And I was a busboy in that restaurant. And I was fascinated by the fact that in that restaurant, there was only men in the kitchen as mm -hmm. opposed to what I grew up seeing. You know? But uh, in addition to that, too, with the, 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 the limited budget that you have being a, a, a young African student in, in New York City, and so you, your limited budget just uh, gives you just a certain access to a certain type of food, you know, which is, you know, when you come from a great food culture, it's execrable. It's like mm. a, so you have to really try to look back into preparing the food by yourself, you know, for yourself. And many of my peers, many of the Senegalese friends of mine from my generation who came to New York, we learned to cook in a way because we just couldn't afford to have to deal with the food that was available to us. We just had to call back our mothers and get those recipes and cook for ourselves. And, and, and gradually, for me, it was that and the working in that restaurant from a busboy going into the kitchen all the, all the time and becoming friend with the chef who took me under his wing and just gave me an opportunity to start from the bottom up, you know, washing dishes, from washing dishes, peeling vegetables, peeling potatoes, from there to garde manger, to, I mean, all those stations to associate to the grill. 
and 30 years later, I'm still doing that. So. <laughs> well, now you have your own restaurant. I have my own restaurant, yeah. I have my own restaurant called Teranga. It's in, Brook in, in New York City uh, on 5th Avenue and 110th Street in Harlem. And uh, Teranga it got, is... It got a, a little windy and exciting uh, yeah, just got now. windy. Teranga is a continuation of, of the same mission of introducing these, these food products from, from West Africa and these ingredients such as the grain fonio and I'm also introducing dealing with farmers from Liberia and bringing their red rice into the menu of Teranga. I also have fermented cassava couscous from Cote d'Ivoire. So the vision is to introduce those products from, from West Africa to, to the Harlem community. Wow. Mm -hmm. And how has that been received so far? It's been amazing. It's been really, really amazing. You know, it's like the fact that uh, people can come in the restaurant is, you know, I like to call it a fine casual because everything is cooked from scratch. But the, the, the client, the customers, our, our guests can come and, and prepare their own food. They have a, a board and they see the options, the grains, and then they see the sauces and then they see the sides, you know, and they pick their own stuff. So it's less intimidating than coming and just seeing like a, a, a simple menu that tells you exactly what it is, but it's from a foreign culture, especially from Africa. A lot of people tend to be afraid already when they hear that. And so because, you know, the, the media hasn't been too kind to anything coming from Africa and the, the, the history between Africa and America also hasn't been very, <laughs> very propitious to accepting the, the, everything coming from there, especially the food. The food, you know, because we also tend to think of Africa as you know, this continent as famine and like scarcity and so it's uh, you know it's, it's just I, I, I remember when I first wrote my first cookbook and I was interviewed by somebody who was asking me you know she was shocked by the, the abundance that she would see in the book and, and the, the vegetables and the new ingredients and it's just the lushness and she was like she couldn't believe it because she was prepared in her growing up and the media prepared her to always see Africa as this continent of scarcity and yet it's a continent that like has great cuisine and great ingredients and, and nutritious and very balanced food that actually the world is catching up the way we've been eating the world is now catching up with that and saying oh this is the right way to eat they've been doing it right and also for not to forget how Africa has been influencing American cuisine itself when you look at southern cuisine it's African cuisine, you know, those recipes, you travel back to West Africa, you see the exact recipes. The gumbo is right there, the jambalaya is right there, the South Chebujan, the, the Hopping Jones, it's the black eyed beef and rice that we have. So those ingredients arrived here from Africa. So, you know, there's so much uh, ignorance. But yeah. when they get to see it and they, you know, they realize that it's not so unfamiliar. Right, so there's so much education to do because... I mean, maybe people just are not realizing the African roots of what is so like deeply rooted American cuisine and soul food, what we would call soul food or Southern food, which is so, we think it's so American and, and it's all and yet, come yeah. straight from Africa. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, American culture has been deeply uh, in, 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 impacted by Africa mm -hmm. in many ways when it comes to food, when it comes to music, when mm -hmm. it comes to... All the Dancing. important things. <laughs> All the important things. <laughs> Wait, when you go back to Senegal, what do you um, carry with you about American food? And uh, what is surprising kind of a, a, as that like, message comes back with you? Uh, can you come again? So when you, if you go back to Senegal and you describe, the, let's say, the food scene in New York City or in Harlem, um, are people surprised by 
what is happening with like the food scene in New York City? To, like, are there impressions of American food being all fast food? Um, what is what is sort of that dialogue like? Oh well, it depends who your audience is. I mean, many people unfortunately are, are still uh, just fascinated by a certain aspect of America, American culture, and they are looking. They are they are celebrating the first. KFC that arrived in Dakar, I think a couple months ago. It's, it's like a celebration, unfortunately. I've been to Lagos and I see KFC. It's like people line up for KFC. When we, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's sad. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's also this conscious growing, uh, especially growing middle class uh, co- yeah. population that uh, just now really want to see our cuisine, our traditions coming back. And, and don't get me wrong, so the traditional cuisines are still very much appreciated and very, it's very much a big part of it. But, you know, that's like just the impact of, of media and television and stuff. You know, they mm-hmm. just want to be like Americans. The whole world wants to be like Americans. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a food in mind that will be the next fonio for you? Uh, a food in mind that will be the next fonio? Yeah, your next uh, food culinary ambassadorship. Uh, well, uh, Yolele, when I studied Yolele foods, uh, fonio was just the first ingredient that I wanted to introduce to the, to the American um, uh, consumers because of many reasons. It, had, it was checking all the boxes. It's, yeah. like, uh, it's gluten-free, it's mm-hmm. nutritious, it's great for the environment, and it's delicious. It cooks in five minutes. But it's, uh, it's just a list of many other ingredients, and we're gradually going to grow. The next phase for Yolele is first, first we're turning the fonio that you can find right now at Whole Foods in Grains. There's going to be fonio mixes. We have three types of fonio mixes that are coming up this fall. We also have fonio chips, different fonio flavored chips, and the flavors are also using African ingredients like dawa dawa, for instance. It's a fermented, cassava, uh, fermented locust bean that's really pungent. It's vegan, it's, it's delicious, it brings so much umami, and that's like mm-hmm. a chip that, uh, that's about to go in the market. But the next ingredient after fonio, we're talking about bambara beans. Bambara beans is also an ingredient that you, you don't see much, even in West Africa, it's disappearing. And when we hope to work with the supply chain and work with farmers and support them, and bring it and package it and bring it. Why Bambara beans? Because also for the same reason it's drought resistant. It's a grain that also can be cultivated in the same field as fonio in a rotation pattern so that it's great for the earth. It allowed the earth to, to uh, the, the topsoil to, to be uh, regenerated. And in addition to that, Bambara beans has the same quality of peanuts, but it doesn't have the allergen aspect, you know, so it's really amazing that uh, it almost tastes like peanuts, but it's without mm-hmm. the allergen factor. That's phenomenal. Can you yeah. make a, a spread? You can make a spread. Like Absolute. a peanut butter? Exactly, the same. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah. I'm excited for that to launch. I want to taste. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm so curious. Um, we, um, our founder also uh, founded Heritage Foods USA, which has a very similar philosophy, I think, of eating an ingredient to save it, um, which I think here at Slow Foods, it's so much like, let's go back to our roots. Let's make sure we're advocating for these more sustainable crops. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that wasn't really a question. It was mostly just a statement that I think is really exciting that you're both supporting um, a community that, that could benefit from the American consumer's interest, um, but it's also something that is delicious and exciting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah sorry. Is it too early to say um, at this point for Yolele Foods what the benefit to the farmers is or like are are the farmers 
making seeing profits already oh, from Fonio? I totally believe. I mean, the data is too early because it's been two years in the market, in the American market. But uh, totally, we're looking at first of all, looking at the 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 amount of containers that are coming. Uh, gradually, the demand is growing. I mean, the, the, the market is opening. Right now, we have we, uh, in uh, about 30 Whole Foods, but next year, we're going to be nationally on all the Whole Foods. Congratulations. Are, uh, thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you. Food services, I mean, uh, every day, pretty much, there's a new account, and there are, you know, we're dealing, we're dealing with chains of also conscious restaurants, you know, like Tender Greens, True Kitchen. They're all... Uh, embracing Fonio and they're putting it in their menu. So it's really going directly right now with cooperatives in, in Mali, Diana, with, uh, in South Senegal, Koba Club, in Togo now we're working with a cooperative. So all of them are seeing the results right now, of course. That's, uh, I, can see, I can tell uh, definitely the results are positive, yes, and the impact is there. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate all the work that you do, Pierre. We're coming up on the end of our time, but I just wanted to say thank you again. And uh, do you have social media handles or a website for Yolele Foods to share? Yes, absolutely. So Yolele Foods, it's uh, at yolelefoods.com. I mean, at Yolele Foods. We have yolelefoods.com is a website. Also, not to forget my restaurants, it's teranga.com if you're in New York City. I-T-S-T. E-R-A-N-G-A dot com. Teranga means hospitality in Wolof, Senegal. That means everybody is welcome to come and share. Uh, Yolele, again, is a Fulani word. That uh, means uh, that's Fulani word. The Fulanis are like the, the largest nomadic group in the world. So the idea with Yolele foods was to be nomadic food, mm. to, to transcend borders, to come from African, West African culture to introduce it to the, to the American culture. So again, Yolele spells Y-O-L-E-L-E, foods, F-O-O-D-S, dot com. So these are the handles. Awesome. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Pierre Chum, for joining us on Heritage Radio Network on tour. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, that is going to be the conclusion of our program from Slow Food Nations. I want to say a huge thank you again to Slow Food, to Hearst Ranch, to Big Green Egg, and the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and then Culinary Arts for making our programs possible. You can catch this and all of our other recordings from the festival at heritageradionetwork.org. Look for Heritage Radio Network on tour. You can also find us wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>